613 prayer. Uh, Ephesians 613 says, put on the whole armor of God. Amen. That you may be able to withstand. Right? That's why we pray. We put on the whole armor of God. So somebody say amen. That's exciting. But anyway, so uh, Monday, the 31st of January. So as I was praying here yesterday, yesterday afternoon, uh, as I was praying here, bam, I knew. Monday, the 31st of January. It's an exciting day. You know what it's called? You know what it's called? Emancipation Day. Hallelujah. So Emancipation Day. Amen. And uh, so I know, so from 6.30 in the morning until 6.30 in the evening, this church will be open for prayer. So we're going to get you to sign up, all right? And wherever, if you can come in for an hour, pray. We're just going to pray, pray, pray. And uh, so you're just going to come. There'll be tea, coffee, all of that ready. You're just going to come and you can sign. And I know a lot of people are working, but you know what? Just maybe make a time somewhere along the day just to pray. But we are going to pray because without prayer, we're not going to shift anything in the city, state or nation. Nothing. Amen. The pressure is on. You know, what I do realize actually, unfortunately so a lot of people are totally unaware of what is going on in our nation or around the world unaware totally it's like it's like our heads are in the sand and I believe God is calling his church to wake up so that's going to be very important it's called emancipation day <laughs> Woo, hallelujah and then tonight we're starting off prepare for pushback amen so uh, prepare for pushback so that's tonight you don't want to miss tonight. Amen. Come on. So let me start off what I want to, what I want to minister quickly. All right. And, um, and I did say quickly. All right. So I, you can hold me to that. Okay. No, destiny is in the valley. You know, the Bible is full of valleys at times, valleys and hills. It's just always the case. So uh, God always talks about hills. God always talks about valleys. It's always, and, and many times it represents where we are. It represents what we are doing. It represents our, our space in life. And um, we know the Bible talks about the valley of the shadow of death. It also talks about the valley of Baca. Uh, and these are all very significant, very significant, something in us uh, 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 that God does something in us. And many times throughout Scripture, we see that, that men and women of God named the place to what God did in their lives. Like Jacob called it, Bethel, the house of God, where God visited him. And God tells him to honor him. That's before the law concerning finances. Amen. And to pray. And he says, this will be the house of God because I've seen God. Amen. And so, um, and whilst we never make prayer, uh, uh, giving or anything in this church about legalistic, you have to. It's always about our heart. Always, 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 always. And when Jacob has a revelation of God, he names it Bethel. House of God, okay? And you know, it's in the valley that oftentimes we talk about valleys. Valleys are not necessarily bad. But it's in the valley that we go through that sometimes may be difficult. But it's in the valley that revelation will come. And a lot of people have been in valleys. A lot of this nation is in, in a valley. A lot of churches are in valleys. A lot of Christians are in the valley. But they don't know what to do in the valley. Just keep walking. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, all right? And so the, 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 it's in the valley that sight will come. You begin to see. It's in the valley that 
boldness will come. It's in the valley that we discover what is possible. It's in the valley that we discover that we can change the inevitable. Because I've realized this, that a lot of Christians are very fatalistic. They just say, well, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Well, that may be, but if we intervene by the Spirit of God, if we intervene by the Word of God, if we intervene by prayer, if we intervene by worship, we change the inevitable. Amen. We change it. It doesn't just happen. So we become very fatalistic. It's just going to happen. No, it's not just going to happen. I refuse to believe that. I know Jesus is coming back, and for that we rejoice. That's not fatalistic. That's exciting. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming back. So there's certain things in the Bible you're not going to change. I know the Bible says that thick darkness will cover the earth. Just bring me a little bit down on my monitors. Thick darkness will cover the earth, but, but, but the glory of the Lord will be seen upon the earth. We know the earth is going to get dark and dark, and believe me that this year, this year the nations will get darker and darker, and they'll become more darkness more darkness, but the Lord, the Bible says, will break out amongst you. Amen. His glory will break out amongst you. That's inevitable. Amen. Because we seek His face. But it's not inevitable if we don't. Amen. So it's in the valley that we change the impossible to possible. It's in that valley. And I want to just give you three this morning where we'll see how far we get. Because I'm not delivering a, a, a lunch package to you. A little drive through sermon. Amen. <laughs> We've got to stimulate the spirit here. So number one, the valley of vision. The valley of vision. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 22. God speaks about the valley of vision. Isaiah 22, verse 1 to 3, and verse 22 to 24. It says, the burden of the Lord. The burden, the burden against the valley of vision. He says, what ails you now that you've gone up to the housetop? So God says there's a burden. It means there's a, an issue that God has with the valley of vision. Now we know if you, uh, and I'll, that's why I'm teaching you, the valley of vision is also representative of the house of God. It's also representative of Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem was to give out the purpose of God to the ends of the earth. And God says, He says, I have a problem with the valley of vision. Because the house of God is always a valley of vision. Amen. It's always a valley of vision. The man and the woman of God should always carry the vision of God on the inside of them because it's the vision of God on the inside of us to change the world that God is looking for. Amen. We're not here to create Christian clubs. We're not here to create church clubs. We are here to see the glory of the Lord cover the earth. We are here to fulfill the mandate and the purpose of God for this day, for this hour. Amen. It doesn't help us that the church grows to a couple of thousand and 10,000 and 20,000 and 2.2 million people go to hell in our city. It doesn't help anybody. It's the valley of vision, which is way bigger than what we've ever realized. And God says, I have a problem with the valley of vision. And He says this, what ails you now 
You know, God is very direct sometimes. I love God. <laughs> he says, what ails you now that you've gone up to the housetops? He says, why are you running? I read, I read, um, I read uh, the financial review yesterday. It says Australia right now is in a shadow lockdown. And they look at all the data. The people are running scared. My goodness me. You can't find toilet paper. What does that show about a nation? A nation has no vision because the church has to rise up with vision. The only time a nation can change is when the church begins to realize we've got something different. We are different. Amen. We are different. So we run into, we are, we are in a shadow lockdown. Why? Because people are running scared. Mm. And he says, verse 2, he says, you are full of noise, a tumultuous city, a joyous city, question mark. Your slain men are not slain with a sword nor dead in battle. So he says, he says, your people are dying, not because they went to battle, but because they ran. Amen. You know, we might need to watch the movie, The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Anyone see the movie? I suggest you watch it again. When the American colonies were, were, were fighting against uh, uh, Britain, he kept out. Didn't want to get involved. Hoping that it would just blow over until it touched his family. So sometimes we think that we cannot be involved in what is happening in our current day world until it touches you. Until it touches your family. Until it touches somebody you know. So never think that what is happening in the earth today and our beloved country that we can just ignore and not take up our spiritual weapons of war. Amen. Our spiritual weapons of war that God has given the church that we can win any battle. I know that I've seen it and I believe it. Come on, I know that God will have His way when the church and I know there's something stirring in the church more and more. And I'm here this morning to say we are in the valley of vision and God is calling His church to stir up the vision on the inside of them to say we are not going to back down. We are going to be a people who pray. We are going to be a people who shift the atmosphere. We're going to be a people who change our nation. Amen. Come on. You know, um, in the, in the book, How Full Is Your Bucket, a, a brilliant, a brilliant book, How Full Is Your Bucket. Um, actual studies done, actually a brilliant book. It goes on to say, it gives you the study of American prisoner of war in the Korean War, because you know there was a war in Korea. I don't know if any of you know that. North and South Korea, that North Korea now is, is, is run by a tin pot dictator, which... Right, I won't get anything any, there. But the Korean War, more POWs, more, more American prisoner of wars died in the Korean War than in the Second World War in Japanese prisoner of war camps. Whilst the Japanese were extremely cruel. Yet in the Korean prisoner of war camps, in the North Korean ones, they were very nice and treated 
the prisoners pretty well, except for a few things. The reason why most those men died in Korea, more of them died them in, of them in Korea than with the Japanese, who were extremely cruel. The reason why they died is they literally died, these are studies, from a broken heart. Literally. It is said they would sit in a corner in a position like that, sitting down, cover their heads with a blanket and literally die from a broken heart. You know why? Because the North Koreans realized we can destroy their minds. We can break their hearts. They, 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 they ate all right. They, they were pretty good, but they had zero uh, positive affirmation. There was no love. They'd never heard any good news. No good news. They never got any letters that were good news. If they got letters, they made sure the letters they got was uh, 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 James receiving a letter from his wife who, who said, uh, James, I cannot wait for you any longer. I'm divorcing you. Or James, your children are sick. Or James, something happened to your child. Or James, we lost our house because I cannot pay the bond anymore. They only received bad news. They were even given, given extra food and cigarettes and other luxuries if they spied on one another, if they became dobbers. So we reckon it's not happening yet. So we see it's not happening in the world now, that people are literally dying from lack of vision, lack of purpose. A nation devouring itself, and the only people who can change that is the church. Who don't look for affirmation from anyone else because we already have it from God. Who don't look for anything from anyone else because we know that God will look after our needs. Amen. We don't, we don't need those things because the truth is, and, and actually, uh, out of all the studies in the last two years, it is factual. It is shown that Christians who go to church have fared the best, that there's not been that major breakdown like there has been in the world because suicide is off the level, off the charts. People are dying of broken hearts everywhere. It's a serious crisis within our nation, within the nation, but more so in our nation. And I want to tell you why, because it's a value of vision, because when a man and a woman has no vision, they die. The Bible says where there's no vision, people perish for lack of vision. Somebody say amen. That is the truth. And he says in verse 3, he says in, in Isaiah 22, all your rulers have fled together. They are captured by the archers. All who are found in you are bound together. They have fled from, from afar. Ultimately, you know, that's why studying the Bible is important, understanding what God is saying. He says these men have been captured by the archers. In other words, an archer is one who shoots you from afar. He says, but they didn't even shoot you. They captured you because you were running. 
The Bible tells us that the, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Yeah, I'll tell you what, when the righteousness of God gets hold of you, you have a vision for your life. You have a vision for your family. You have a vision to pray. You have a vision to give. You have a vision for generations to come. It's not just about surviving. We are not here to survive. We are here to thrive. We are here to build this nation for generations to come, and we will not back down until Jesus comes back. Amen. We will have revival. Somebody say amen. You know, when he says your, your rulers have, have, have fled, you know, um, I'm sometimes absolutely shocked at the Marxist leaning, head in the sand, don't rock the boat tendencies that many spiritual church leaders have in this nation. It shocks me. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up for the gospel. Stand up for God. We are not the voice, the mouthpiece of a government. We are the mouthpiece to government. Amen. The church has always been that. And this ain't political. This is gospel. Because the Bible says, you know, people say, well, you know, uh, religion and politics don't reach. Well, tell that to John the Baptist. Tell that to the Lord Jesus. Tell that to Jeremiah. Tell that to the Apostle Peter. Tell that to Paul. Tell that to those in the Bible. Tell them that, no, 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 you're totally wrong here. No, it does mix. God wants us to be the salt of the earth. God wants us to be the light of the world. And that means we stand up for righteousness. We stand up for justice. That means we stand up for those who are broken. We stand up for those who are hurting. We stand up for those who are marginalized. Amen. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. You say, Pastor, I thought you were never going to talk. No, I do talk about this. Because it's about vision. Vision is not this selfish little thing that I have, Lord, bless my life, us for no more. That's not vision. This is the vision for the house of God, the valley of vision. Your personal vision is your personal vision. But this is a valley of vision in the house of God. Lord, we are praying for a nation. We are praying for a city. We are praying for the lost. We are praying for the broken. We are here to heal the hurting. We are here to help the widow and the orphan. We are here to feed those who cannot feed themselves. We are here to stand with those who are totally marginalized. We are here to stand. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. But you know what is an amazing thing? But God says, as we continue the scripture in verse 22, in the line of David, he speaks of David, the one. And he speaks of the church. And he says in verse 22, so he says, the valley of vision, he says, I have this. He says, however, the key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder talking about the Messiah. He shall open and no one shall shut. Amen. You know, Jesus gave us the key to open doors and to close doors. Matthew 16, Matthew 18, the book of Revelation. Come on, the keys have been given to the church. And he says, "I will uh, the key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder because the government is on his shoulder. He is the head of the body. We are the church. We are his body. Hallelujah. And he says, he shall open and no one shall shut. He shall shut and no one shall open. I'm telling you now that we have keys. We have keys to shut things. 
and we have keys to open things. It's only the church that carries that. The only the church get, that can do that. Only the church that carries this, 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 this burden, this anointing in the valley of vision that we are here to fulfill the mandate and the purpose of God for this day, for this time, for this hour. Amen. I, I get very excited about this. Sometimes I say, Lord, I'll just get up and just be very quiet and sedate. And it says, verse 23, I will fasten him. And listen, listen, this is beautiful. I will fasten him as a pig in a secure place. And he will become the glorious throne of his father's house. They will hang on him all the glory of the Father's house, the offspring and the posterity, all vessels of small quantity from the cups to all the pitchers. I'll tell you what, this is our destiny, church. We have keys. You have keys to change your life. As Freddie spoke about Stephen Covey, biblical principles, biblical keys, we've got keys that can change everything in a nation. I'm very excited to be an Australian in 2022. In this day, in this hour, in this time, I'm very, very excited. I'm very stirred. Amen. 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 Come on. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Come on. Uh, cameras, just give me a little. Cameras, let me just hold on because we're doing this for, uh, we need to go a bit closer, more closer than less. For just, sorry, I'm just helping because we are doing this for, for Pakistan television as well. So, we are living in a day and a time such as this. Amen. For this time, for this hour. Somebody say amen. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But the one who keeps the law blessed is he. So the Bible tells us if we don't have vision, we actually cast off restraint. In other words, there's nothing keeping us safe. We, we begin to throw off restraint to the purpose of God. We become careless. We end up in sin that we shouldn't end up in because we lack that vision, because there's no prophetic vision burning on the inside of us. And it's not about our vision. It's not about our little personal vision. It's not about me, okay, I'll lose five kilograms. That's great. That's fantastic. Have that vision. Amen. But there's the vision for the house of God, the vision of valley. When God speaks to His church in the vision of valley, He says, look, man, I have this issue against you in the vision of valley. You said you were going to lose five kilograms and you only lost four. Amen. That's not God. That's our vision. But there's something different about the vision of God for the nation and for the nations. Amen. Something different about the vision of God for a house, for the church. You see, God, we're going to be raised up as a church. Our home cells are going to explode. Lord, our, our, our prayer ministry is going to explode. We're going to shift the nation. We're going to pray for the broken. We're going to pray for those who are hurting. We're going to pray, God, uh, financial favor upon businesses that are hurting. Oh, God, we're going to pray for healing. We've seen tremendous healings in the last while. Incredible what God has been doing. But that's because we carry the, the vision of God for this day and age. Amen. Secondly, and I think I'll finish on this point, it's the value of decision. The value of decision. 
Joel chapter 3, verse 9. He says, where there's no prophetic vision. Oh, sorry, uh, uh, Joel chapter 3, verse 9 says, Proclaim this among the nations. Proclaim this. Among the nations, what? What does God say? What does it say? Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. This is an end time book. This is a prophetic book that, that, that God did then and that got activated on the day of Pentecost and will continue until Jesus comes back. And more so even now in the end days. You know that we, like no other generation, have had all the biblical signs of the second coming of Christ all intersect at one time in this generation that we are alive. No other generation in the history of mankind has had all the signs of the second coming of Christ intersect and come and converge at one point like it has now. So this is an end time book. And it says, let all the men of war proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Let the men of war draw near. Are you a man and a woman of war? I'm talking about warring in the spirit. I'm not talking about being a revolutionary out there and taking up weapons. I'm talking about taking up the weapons of God, about putting on the armor of God for once in our lives. And we say, God, if we're going to go out, we're going to go out big. We're going to see a big move of God. We're going to see a move of the Spirit of God. We're going to see that. And I'm here right now as a herald, as a mouthpiece from God. And he says, beat your plowshares into swords. He says, that which you only did for yourself, now do for others. And your pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, I am strong. I love this. Because if there's one thing that has characterized this generation over the last 10 years, more specifically over the last three years, it's woke culture. And God is saying to the woke Christian and to the woke church, none of you yet, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. We're not going to walk around saying, oh, the pastor hurt my feelings. No, let the weak say, I am strong. Oh, that person said something against me. No, let the weak say, I am strong. Amen. Because we are strong in the strength of the Lord. Amen. And he says, assemble and come all you nations and gather all around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there, Lord. Let the nations be awakened. And come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Oh, you know, I, I actually, um, no, I'm going to digress there because uh, uh, I had a very, uh, maybe I'll just share this. I had a very, very interesting conversation with a, a man from Sydney the other day. The wealth of knowledge he carries concerning end times is absolutely incredible out of the Word of God. So one day, when through the Bible school, I'll talk with my wife. He can actually, we can actually beam him in, Scotty, and uh, we can, uh, he can talk about stuff. You will be, it's, it was absolutely amazing. Sat while I was with another pastor this week, and he said, let me just, let me introduce you to my friend. Phone him up, and I asked him a few questions about the end times was absolutely incredible. I was blown away. 
we are living in times that are very, very exciting. Maybe a bit scary, but very exciting. He says, let the nations be awakened, verse 13. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. Come down, go down, for the wine press is full. God is saying, yeah, when God says the wine press is full, He's actually saying that the sin of the nations is full now. And I will come and act. Because it's the grace of God that gives people and nations opportunity to repent. That's why we have to pray. But God's saying the wine press is full. And he's talking about judgment. He's going to start overflowing. He says, come down. The wine press is full. The vats overflow. For their wickedness is great. And I think we can really say that in the day and the time in which we live, that wickedness is great. That wrong has been called right. Right has been called wrong. The latest awards, movie awards, who won the Best Actress Award? People stand and applaud that. Then he says in verse 14, he says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. This is a time where multitudes are in the valley of decision. And it's in this place that we arise and we gird up our loins for war and we put on the armor of God that we see that there are valleys, the valley of decision, that there are multitudes in the valley of decision. It's not just a few people. There are multitudes out there who are in the valley of decision. Which way shall I go? They're hearing the voice of God. They're hearing the voice of the world. And it's the church that comes in. In the valley of decision, they say, this is the way, walk in it. It's the valley of decision now. It's the valley of decision because I know and I just, I sense even this year just a, a totally different shift in my desire for God, in my resoluteness to hunger after God, to push into God. Because I know it's time. It's the valley of decision for our nation. And I know it's the church. That as we stand in this valley of decision, that we take up our weapons of war and we begin to fight. We fight the spiritual realm. We fight those things. We fight the witchcraft in this nation. We fight the manipulation and intimidation, which is witchcraft. We fight that. And we make a decision. We dress up for war. We say, God, we're not going to back down. 
We're going to help the valley. We're going to help people in the valley of decision not to be afraid. We're going to help them, Lord, in this, this time that we're living in to, to see Jesus more than ever, to see the love of God more than ever. Because decision or no decision, no decision is still a decision. When people make no decision, it's still a decision. You know, I'll, I'll let me let me just share this. Maybe because sometimes you need to understand there are certain things that shape a person through life. So, where I grew up in Johannesburg as a young boy, I would often see, and these are the vivid pictures in my mind, riding up and down our streets with these big police paddy vans with police on the back. And when they would see black people walk in the streets, they would jump off and run to them. And those black people under the apartheid system that I grew up in would have to show them a pass. That they had permission to be in that area. And if they never had it, they were locked up. So you understand the things that form me when I see these things. When I stayed with my sister, we would often be raided by the police. Yes, the police. Because we had black people on the premises. When I was in Bible school, with doctors Paul and Carol Alexander, who were the principal, as you know, they would often be accosted and confronted by the security police because there were black people in our Bible school. And they just said, we will not back down. You can arrest us, but we will not back down because legally you are not allowed to have them. And I can give you story after story after story. And it was in those moments that I had to make a decision. What type of Christian will I be? What type of leader will I be? Will I be spineless? Or will I stand up for the marginalized? And that's why I believe it's a valley of decision for the church in our world right now. But I believe that God is going to do incredible work through the church. Elijah says to the people of 1 Kings 18, and I'm finished. And, and you know, this might be very confronting in issues, but, but I share these things so you can understand. Because I, as a young pastor, had to make certain decisions. When black people and Indian people were not allowed in our churches, legally, by law, 
I had to make a decision as a young 25-year-old. 25 years. That's why we can never let our children just think, no, they cannot make decisions. 25 years old. I had to make a decision that black people will come into us. I would actively go get them. Because I had to make a decision. And I know this may be very confronting for people. But if we don't confront the realities of today, we are living with our heads in the sand. We are living in fear. We're living in intimidation. And I refuse as a leader, as a pastor, to live in that type of world. I don't care. People can say what they like. People say to me, well, well, you know, where are the prophets? Well, Yari is talking. But sometimes people don't want to hear the prophets. They want to stone the prophets. Because it's uncomfortable. The, st the stand I took as a young leader was very uncomfortable for a lot of white people. who actively backed up the policies of the day, Christians. <laughs> now, I'm aware I may not get many fans and followers and likes in this, but that's not my issue. Because my issue is to prepare our church and to see revival in our nation. Amen. That's my issue. That's why we can no longer have spineless and gutless Christianity. It's just not acceptable any longer. Amen. Too much of it. Too much of it. Amen. God is calling us to rise up. God is calling us to pray, to pray, to pray, and not to judge people, not to, not to come down upon them. You know, it's, it's absolutely incredible. we become a nation of dobbers. Amen. That's very strong. I know it's very challenging, but that's okay. That's okay. Because people get very on edge, and I know this. It's like very sometimes, but you know what it is? Sometimes it's a devil that has to be broken. It's a demon that has to be broken over a city. Because the fear in this nation is so evident right now. It's like I could see it on the, on the, in the week, like Thursday night when we met with the intercessors. And thank God there were so many of them. Uh, 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 um, uh, it's like this wall that's just waiting. And like people are, are, are living in fear. They're living in fear of the 5th of February in case a tsunami is going to come and destroy them. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The tsunami of the love of God is going to come in this nation. The tsunami of the love of God is going to fill this nation. The tsunami of the love of God is going to fill people's lives. That's why we are praying. That's why I'm asking you to, to rise up, to get vision, to get purpose, not to become rebellious and, and, and attitude and, and we act stupid. I'm asking you to rise up in the love of God and say, God, we are not going to back down. We are not going to be silent. We're going to make a difference in this nation. We're going to preach the love of God. We're going to preach Jesus. Amen. We're going to preach Jesus. We're going to preach Jesus. We're going to preach Jesus more than ever, more boldly than ever before. Amen. This is our day and time. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. We bless you.